G'day and welcome to Perco's Podcast, a podcast all about strategy, leadership and soul care. We're here to help you obtain your personal, professional and spiritual goals without losing your soul. We hope that today's episode is refreshing and gives you a new perspective. Now here's your host, Jason Perkins. G'day everyone and welcome to episode 28, part one of Perco's Podcast. Well, it's been a minute. In fact, it's been a few weeks since we released a podcast, a conversation with a friend of mine around the idea of reaching our goals without losing our souls. We've taken a little bit of a break just to work on some fresh content for a new season of conversations and podcasts that we're bringing to you, starting with this one today. And I am super stoked because we have some amazing guests joining us in the upcoming weeks, including the one that I will introduce you to today. He is a new friend of mine and he has just released a great book and I can't wait to talk to you about that book in just a moment. Before I do that though, I wanna give a quick shout out to Rick from Temperance, Michigan and the whole crew, Nate and Wendy at Compel Church in Temperance, Michigan. Rick reached out to me recently and just let me know how much the podcast had been helping him and the team there and he just wanted to say how grateful he was for bringing the conversations to the team. Well, Rick, we are grateful for you and I'm super appreciative of letting us know the difference that is making for you in your leadership and for your team as well. Well, it is my pleasure to introduce you to today's guest, Steve Carter. Steve is a pastor, speaker, author, podcaster, and the former lead teaching pastor of a little church in Chicago, Illinois called Willow Creek Community Church. Steve is the host of the Craft and Character podcast, and he's also a co-host of the Home Team podcast. It's a sports podcast phenomenal as well. He is an itinerant preacher and teacher for churches, conferences, events, camps, and retreats all over the United States. Steve lives in Phoenix, Arizona with his wife, Sarah, and their two children. Steve recently released an amazing book that I've had the privilege of diving into, took a deep dive into this one. It's called The Thing Beneath the Thing, and I love the tagline, what's hidden inside and what God helps us do about it. It aligns so well with the theme of our podcast, the idea of doing the inner work of caring for our souls, as we like to describe soul care. It is tending to the garden of our inner life. This book was designed to help readers identify and then heal from past wounds that have kept them from reaching their full potential and the life of freedom that Jesus has promised every believer. Talk about reaching your goals without losing your souls. This book is all about that. And it's a large topic and we're gonna discuss it today. In fact, it's what we primarily discuss in the conversation today. And I know that there are a ton of resources that Steve references, and we'll make sure that we link to all of those in the show notes for you. Well, without any further ado, I hope you enjoy my conversation with my new friend, Steve Carter. Steve, great to see you, mate. How are you today? How are things in Arizona? You know, it's good to be with you, man. I'll I'll tell you what, it is hot. I mean, this has got to be one of the hottest September's on record. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not built for this, man. It is just, uh, I think it's like 110 here today, and it's just, it's, it's just, 
It's yeah, it's I'm not sure why so many people live here, uh, at least during June, July, August and September. I get I get when it's like 70 in March where the rest of the world is freezing. But like um, it is really hot, but it's good to be with you, bro. Hey, great to have you on the show, mate. I'm so stoked about this conversation. Can't wait to dive in. Um, You're a long way from you're a long way from some water, mate, to be able to cool off. And I know. (laughs) I know that's a that's a passion of yours. Like you grew up, maybe share with those that are in the Southern Hemisphere, which by the way, Southern Hemisphere listeners, that's 40 plus degrees Celsius that Steve's talking about. It's That's a hot day for us, even down under, mate. Um, maybe give the listeners, before we dive into the 60 seconds with Perco questions, give the listeners a bit of your background. Those that may not be as familiar with you, where you grew up, maybe went, where you went to school and some of your ministry background as well. That'd be awesome. Yeah, so I grew up in Southern California, uh, Ventura County, between Malibu and Santa Barbara, nice. and uh, love the water, love, nice. love, love the Pacific, and um, kind of grew up uh, uh, playing sports, soccer, and basketball primarily. College, I uh, went to Hope International University and Cal State Fullerton, um, played some basketball there, and then. Um, when I graduated, I ended up going out to a church in Grand Rapids, Michigan, okay. um, uh, called Mars Hill. And um, I was there pretty much from the jump. My my parents came to faith later in life. I had the privilege to baptize them. Wow. And after my sophomore year of playing basketball at Cal State, um, my parents moved from Southern California to, to Grand Rapids. And that's right when Mars Hill was getting started. And I was a film major at the time. And I just saw this church explode. And I saw someone who was speaking to the culture. Like I was learning about Jewish roots. I was, I, I just felt like something was being discovered about the text that I had never knew or understood. And it, it something came alive in me. And I went back to California I uh, decided to change my major to ministry, and the the pastor who started that church had gone to Turkey, and someone had pulled him aside and said, hey, it's great that you speak to the masses, but Jesus never changed the world by speaking to the masses. He changed the world by having disciples. Wow. So who are you pouring your life into? And there was, he didn't have a name, and and so he and his wife just prayed, and they called me from the Grand Rapids airport, and this was like probably, you know, at that time, the fastest growing church, I think in us history. Yeah, yeah. And this guy called me and he just said, Hey, I believe in you graduate as fast as you can. I'll teach you everything I know. You can come live in my basement and let's change the world. One West Michigan at a time. And, and so, um, I graduated, I moved into Rob's basement and I stayed there about seven years, Mm. um, kind of like teaching, overseeing cradle through college. And then I went out to Southern California we had had our first kid. My wife is from the West coast as well. And, um, I went to be a teaching pastor at a church in Costa Mesa, California. So like Costa Mesa is kind of like where Volcom and like, yeah. uh, rip curl mm-hmm. O'Neill, like a lot of just the surf culture, you know, Rufka, like all of that kind of world resides. And so, um, I joined that church and was a teaching pastor. And then, um, I got a call from Willow Creek, um, yes. and I had met the founding pastor, Bill Hybels. Um, I knew his son-in-law and daughter, and um, he invited me on the staff, and I joined and was there almost seven years, okay. and and then I stepped out in 2018, and I stepped out in some really difficult situations. Um, yeah. uh, some allegations had been made uh, against my mentor by by women, um, and those were allegations of abuse of power and sexual abuse, and, and just uh, I, I had a 
real hard time with how the the church was uh, choosing to handle those allegations. And so mm. um, just from an, uh, a place of integrity for my own personal integrity, um, I just had to step to the side. And, and so um, we lived a few minutes from the church yep. and, you know, you and I are both, uh, you know, fellow threes on the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we know how to achieve. Yeah. Um, I just didn't have any muscles uh, around how to grieve. And, um, you know, when you're, when you're familiar with the biblical story, you know, that, uh, the desert, the wilderness is essential to formation. And I just felt like we lived a couple miles away from the church in 2018 and felt like God just say one night, uh, go to the desert and wait for instructions. I didn't think it was literal. I thought it was metaphorical. Um, but as I started to process it more with my wife, the next morning, she's from Phoenix area. And she just said, I've been sensing the same thing and I just need to go home. So we've moved out here and, um, it's been a a season of almost redreaming it all up again. And so, uh, I've been kind of preaching every weekend at different churches around the U S and, um, obviously writing, um, just released a new book. And then, um, I coach communicators. I love the, the craft of communicating. And so started a podcast called craft and character do stuff with preaching today, Christianity today around preaching and, um, and then coach through cohorts and then one-on-one communicators. So yeah, that's kind of my, our life right now. still just in the desert trying to figure out what God has in store, but, um, it's, it's been a, it's been a wild a uh, few years, but God has been faithful and kind. Mm. And I feel like I've in the midst of deep, deep sadness and disappointment and pain, I've discovered um, God in a way that I never had in all my achievements and success and yeah. opportunities. So yeah, so that's where we are. Steve, such a good story, mate. Such a great story. I um, we'll, we'll put links in the show notes to all the stuff like craft and character because phenomenal podcast, great, great conversations, mate. And so helpful. And also the cohorts and things that you're leading. We'll put some links for people to be able to check that out. Can I ask you, mate, a, a question that I didn't send over, but I, I feel like it's pertinent to the conversation you talked about as a three. And I, I would even say as a Westerner, we don't know how to grieve very well. Like when I look at other cultures, there's some cultures, even, around us in the Pacific on some of these islands where these people know how to grieve. And then there are some other cultures that actually hire people to do grieving for them. Like these yeah. people, these cultures know how to grieve. We just don't know how to do that. What is, what did that look like for you? Like, can you maybe unpack some things that helped you? Cause I think life and leadership is oftentimes a series of, of losses. And if we don't grieve those losses, we kind of bury them alive and they come back to haunt us. I know that's been my, my triggers, as you talk about in the book, oftentimes the losses that I, I never grieved, you know, properly. What does that look like as you went to the desert that, that time on a practical level, what does grief look like? Yeah. So my time in the desert really, um, you know, Eugene Peterson will talk about how your topography shapes your theology. And so, you know, you read a lot of his writings and, and you, you could feel Montana, you can yes. feel the, the lake and the mountains, you can just feel the grittiness of the people of Montana. And, and I, I, I had just kind of come across him saying that and I just felt like, well, if I'm going to the desert, um, I've been a SoCal kid, like near the water or a big city kid, like, I, I'm not spent time in the desert. And so mm. I need to, I need to get familiar with 
the writings of the desert mothers and desert fathers. Yeah. So I just started, I started buying that. I started reading it. Yeah. And you know, the desert is, is symbolic of the deserted place, mm. the forsaken, the forgotten. Mm. Um, and in many ways, I think I, I came into the desert limping. Mm-hmm. Um, I came in the desert, just, um, just hurting. I mean, I just, I had experienced this, this series of disappointments and I could feel myself wanting as a three. Um, and I have this like silly mantra that I, I joke, but I wish it wasn't true, but it is, is, mm. is, you know, if I'm not winning, I'm sinning, you yeah. know? And I just, uh, <laughs> I, I think that in my life I had, I had, I had clear goals, yeah. you know, but you know, you, the mantra of this podcast, right. Is say that again, it has about and helping, helping leaders reach their goals without losing their souls. It's, yeah. And I think, I think that that is so beautiful. I think for many, you know, uh, threes in my life, um, we would reach the goals at any cost yeah. and often um, unaware of the trauma and pain yeah. and struggle that we were doing to our very own souls. You know, Jesus would say like, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit a soul. And I, and I think um, in many ways, the next opportunity um, was more fun, exciting, mm. energizing mm. than actually having to deal with loss yeah. or disappointment yeah. or resentment. You know, and so when you get to the desert though, and you just wake up super early in the morning and you just start hiking mm. and you just feel alone and like, you know, you, you, I, don't, I don't, there's no lights. It's just like, you're walking in the middle of nowhere mm. and there's rattlesnakes or there's coyotes. And I've seen those on the trails. Like you just kind of like, and it's a little scary out here. <laughs> and like, you're just kind of alone in it. You're alone with your yourself and you're alone with your sadness and you're alone with the disappointments. And, and I, and, and again, I think for many of us, we love like simple theology. Mm. This is why Twitter, you know, we can, we can have this cliche statement, but then all of a sudden you take a phrase like God is with me, Emmanuel. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and it's so simple, but then it, now you find yourself in a season of struggle yeah. where all of a sudden your whole world has been turned upside down. And do I really believe in the desert and yeah. the deserted place that God is with me? Yeah. And when I started to f- um, have these moments of learning and relearning and unlearning yeah. uh, truths that I had held on to and that I needed to let go of about God, mm. and I found that he was with me, that simple phrase had held up through the struggle and now became wildly sacred. Yeah. Holy. Yeah. And so, so for me, I just, I, I think it's been a lot of reading, a lot of counseling, um, a lot of intensive inner work mm. um, and just, just trying to make space and hold space, not for other people, which I'm really, I, I think I'm pretty good at that as a pastor, a holding space for other people, but I wasn't great at holding space for myself yeah, and for my feelings. And I think just being able to to, to do that and honor that and know where to place that rather than transfer it towards achievement or unhealthy escapes. Yeah. Um, but to really be able to sit in it and go, yeah, that, that was really hard. Yeah. It's really sad. That was really not fair. That's not the, that's not what God desired. And, and still at the same time, 
be okay and not look for somebody else to validate or tell me that I'm going to be okay, but to be like, I can be okay in this moment because God's with me. So it's just, it's, it's been a, it's been a two steps forward, one step back uh, for the last few years. Yeah. Steve is so helpful, mate. I, um, I feel like our culture today, we celebrate so much of, of the external work and um, like you, re- you rarely go to a conference or any sort of leadership event and somebody gets applauded or awarded for, you know, the three years of internal work that they've done that you can't see. And so, yeah, I just, I, I want to say thank you for not only being willing to block out the goals that could have easily distracted you, the external ones and go do the work, but thanks for sharing it in your book, you know, cause I, I really feel like in a sense, this is maybe the memoirs of, of the desert for you in a lot of ways. And um, yeah, super grateful that you're willing to be vulnerable and just share what, what came out of that space. Um, so thanks for that. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. I think what's interesting too, is for, for many of us who are achievement driven, mm. we can stay busy through really, really good and beautiful things mm. um, without ever having to access or address what's happening in our soul. And then all of a sudden that's removed. Right. And overnight for me, it was removed. I mean, Mm. I went from a handpicked successor by a very influential leader Mm -hmm. to leaving and resigning abruptly. And, you know, a room that's at 7,200 seats, uh, a, a budget, that, you know, millions of dollars, assets of almost a third of a billion dollars. I mean, just like, again, I, I say that in the sense of like, yeah. there was a lot there and then overnight it was gone. Yeah. And, and I, I don't, I didn't think my identity was wrapped around what I did until That's I wasn't cool. doing it. Mm. And a guy from Home Depot, you know, which is like our kind of like, construction store here in the u.s is like comes over to deliver a a washer and dryer at like 1 p.m on a tuesday when i i would have been at work yes and i'm like in my brain going he doesn't know who you are and i could feel all this stuff of like coming out of me like you need to tell him who you and i'm like what is going on wow and so just like all of a sudden like there was nothing i could point to to validate yeah it literally was the only thing was I don't have anywhere to be on a Tuesday at 1 PM. 1 PM. And am I, and, and am I actually, do I still feel like I'm, I'm good in God's eyes? Yeah. And so you, you had that. And then there were temptations that I thought I had beaten, mm-hmm. but I realized I had, I just was super busy. I had no time for them. Yeah. So now you remove all of that from your life. And now you're like in the desert alone. And it was like, old temptations coming after you. And so, so again, it just like you realize, man, how much the body keeps score, (laughs) how much, you know, you you can almost trick your brain into, I'm good. I got this. I got that. And it's just, uh, little things creep in that tell you, this is who you are because of what you do, or you've beaten this, but you're just staying busy and you're, you're doing good work, but it's maybe, not always from the the most healthy places. And I think that's, what's been so kind about these three years that God has, I think done a really refining work. Hasn't been easy, but like this renovation as Dallas Willard would say of the heart and the mind and the body and the soul. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a complete operation 
operating system switch, like going from PC to Mac or whatever. It's like, hey, I don't I, I know for me, this whole soul care thing and transformation from from my own life has been like I, I knew where to go on the screen to fix a problem. There's no screen. Yes. So like I don't I don't even know where to begin. And that's been revolutionary and transformational for me at the same time. So helpful. You mentioned something, Steve, it reminded me, I, I use a, <clears throat> an app called Lectio 365, which is a Lectio Divina kind of uh, stuff. And we'll, we'll link for people to check it out. It's been super helpful for me in the morning and the evening. But today, the 21st here in Australia, at least, I know it's still the 20th over there. By the way, just so you're aware, Tuesday is a fantastic day, just so you're aware. You can look <laughs> forward to it, mate. Um, today is the feast, of, uh, feast day of Henry Nowen. And you mentioned, um, cause it was his passing, I guess in 96 on the same day, you mentioned about this idea of like this Home Depot guy, not knowing who you were. And it just reminded me of this incredible professor, such a profound author and teacher. And then he spends his last years serving, you know, the mentally handicapped, the disabled, um, with learning disabilities and adult community up in Canada and they didn't have a, they couldn't, even if they knew he had written, you know, 40 bestsellers, they could have never read them. And yet the stories of his impact on their life after he passed, because he was just a human being to them that was kind and loving, just so profound to listen to those testimonies of those men that he did life with together. And, and that's, that's what we're talking about. They didn't know who he was and there wasn't anything to point them towards, you know, that would make them be impressed. Just a genuine human being loving another human being. Yeah. Henry, Henry, I mean, you know, I, I wish I would have had the privilege to, yeah. to have gotten to know him. I mean, Me just to, to know his, his, the, his perspective, but it's just these, all these stories that have been coming to um, the surface, you know, over this last number of years is, people just remark about their time spent. One of my favorites was um, a former student of his when he taught at Yale had yes. returned back to, to town and kind of went into a classroom and just thought like, man, I, I have business meetings, but I'm going to, I'm going to cut away and just go hear Dr. Now and teach. He just yeah. missed it. And yeah. then he walked up after the class and said, Hey, Dr. Now, and do you have any, any time um, by chance for coffee or lunch? And now, and just said, Hey, I actually do the person I'm supposed to meet with canceled. Um, so let's go grab lunch and they go and they sit and they, they have like this two hour epic conversation. Mm. And towards the end, as it's wrapping up, this former student looks at Dr. Nowen and says, Dr. Nowen, when I'm with you, I feel like I'm in the presence of Christ. And now, and just kind of like, it's almost taken back. Like, dude, that's, that's way out of my league. And he responds with this. He says, my son, it's the Christ in you that recognizes the Christ in me. There we go. And, and that, I mean, to even think about uh, when he went to La Arche, I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. Um, but like when he was there, it's like even these beautiful women and men could recognize without probably the terminology, the theology, yes. yep. the Christ in you. I recognize there's something different about you. And, and I think, again, this is, this is why podcasts and people like you Perko matter, because I think it's that interior life that is shaping so that when people, whether, you know, uh, in the marketplace, whether in, you know, colleges, whether over coffee, whether in the congregation or churches, 
when people come into our presence, they would recognize mm. Christ in you. Yeah. Um, it's just, there's something, there's some formation that is happening, something that's being shaped and transformed within us. Um, and I, I think for so long, I thought it was the accomplishments mm. or I thought it was the, the, the skill of my craft or the, the maximizing of my potential or spiritual gift. Mm. But I, I've just come to realize like, um, you can't bypass the desert. No, you, 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 you have to go through it to get to the promised land Yeah, and you can't, you can't build your house on sand. Yeah. Like you, you, just that interior life matters. So all I just say is I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing the ways in which wow. you're just lifting this value up because, um, it truly, truly matters, um, for, for not just our own personal souls, but for those that we encounter. Yeah, no, it's so important. Do you feel like Steve, you talked about <clears throat> the desert is, is a must. Do you feel like most people are going to need to have some sort of uh, a, a, a hitting the wall or a crisis moment in order to get there? At least for me and my story, I would always say it this way. I think I stole this from Miyagi in, in Karate Kids, so I'm not sure it's biblical theology, but like the, the teacher will appear when the student is ready. I, until I hit my wall, I had my crisis. I, I don't know that I was ready to listen or to, to go to the desert. Do you feel like that's necessary? Or do you feel like somebody listening to this could go, no, I, I want to go there because it's necessary without having to go through the wall of the crisis? Well, I think, I think there's a few ways to look at this. Um, the first one was just, let me ask a quick question for you, Perko. Like how, how old were you when you hit the wall? Yeah. For me, I was in my early forties. Okay. So this is really, really fascinating. Um, research is showing right now that, that multiple and, and multiple different voices have written about this. Um, uh, but that in a man's life, 38 through 42, Yep. are typically the hardest years in a man's life. Mm. And the reason is, is they're almost entering into that second half of life, yes. but they're coming to the reality of their almost death of the ego yeah, of where yeah. they thought they would be. Yeah. They typically are experiencing some loss of a family member, a parent. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, they, there's their body is changing. Their drive is changing. Their capacity is changing. All of this is happening during this three or four years. So I say that in one sense is oftentimes this is where a lot of people opt out and have that, what people would say is a midlife crisis, yeah, right? yeah. you know? And so, so some of it is we don't have the skills to actually know how to die well. Yes. Right. And so we choose an unhealthy escape yeah. and then things start to die. Right. And so I think part of it is how, how do we begin to prepare almost like, you know, um, you know, students, be, you know, becoming men, there's this rites of passage. I actually think there's there's a lot that needs to happen in, in the 30s to really prepare men to learn how to die well. Yeah. To die to their self, to die yeah. to the ego, to die to opportunities, to die yeah. to the places inside them. Um that could actually derail them from being the healthiest and holiest and most whole human. Um, that, that doesn't have them take their foot off the, the pedal. And, yeah. this, and, and, but I think that's where so many guys go, well, you just want me to like go stare at water and, and, and like not do anything with my life. I don't actually, nah. I, because, you know, if you look at tiger woods, 
Tiger Woods, I mean, again, the documentary on, uh, that came out recently on him, is just fascinating. And I, and there's, there's, and I'm a huge sports guy. Yeah. There's few things that compare to Sundays when Tiger is in contention. Absolutely. Um, it's just unbelievable. It's like yeah. must watch TV, but Tiger wins. I believe the masters and he recognized he, I mean, he won by like four or five strokes. This is a number of years ago. And he calls his coach and just says, I got to change my entire swing. <laughs> You've just beaten everyone. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I got to, I got, I have to go to, I have to go to, to swing school all over again. Cause I have, I can be better. And, and he works on his swing. I think he comes back and I think he wins three straight majors. Wow. And, and I, I've, I've just often thought about that is typically in the West, it's if it's working, ride that thing out. Yeah. But I think that there's, there's moments where you start to think of life as this marathon. Mm-hmm. There's parts where you have to look back and go, gosh, if I don't, if I don't deal with this part of trauma in my story, if I don't deal with this part of ego, if I don't, if I don't prepare myself to die well, yeah. um, life's going to come at me yeah. and I'm probably either going to self-sabotage or somehow I'm going to get derailed because I didn't allow myself to be prepared emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally, financially for what's to come. So, so part of it, I think is one, just saying, Hey, if you're on top of the world right now, fantastic. Good for you. Good for you. And what's the swing school that you need to work on? Yeah. And two, um, I think if you're in this season in your thirties or you're in this season in your forties, I mean, this is part of that process. My dad died um, six months after I left Willow. Wow. And I, um, I think that was really, really hard for, for me because I wasn't just grieving my dad. I was afraid to grieve Willow yeah. because I thought if my dad passed, I wouldn't have enough anything left to, left to, to grieve. grieve. Yeah. And so like, I like held on to it. And then when my dad died, I lost it. Okay. And my dad, um, he was a big guy, really like, I mean, a large man came down with leukemia, has a bone marrow transplant, which actually extends his life. But this yeah. new marrow began to attack his body. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you this, man, he, he taught me how to die. Mm. He taught me how to, I mean, his body, dying yes and his heart inside like he was becoming more humble mm. i mean is, is it is it is a man where he was admitting i'm i failed you as a father mm. um i i wounded you verbally um all of a sudden i saw this inner strength and i saw this physical process of dying. And again, I just, I think that there's something in that to learn the art of dying well and being strengthened from a formation and character side, um, that I've just become wildly fascinated, which, um, makes me realize once again, you, you can't bypass character school. Yeah. We are desert people. You can't bypass the wilderness um, because that's where you are just, um, a light is just shining bright on what is really motivating you. What is really driving you? Who, how do you really see you? How do you really understand your intentions and your identity and who God is? And so all of that um, has been 
something you can't bypass, but I think, uh, I think you can see the wall before it comes. Um, and I, I'm just trying to help more and more men do that. Yeah. Steve, I, this is beautiful by the way. And thank you for sharing the story of your dad, mate. I really so appreciate that. Um, it seems to me that if I'm listening to this and I'm on top of the world, I'm in my thirties, forties or whatever, I haven't gone to the, the, the desert place, the Aramos or whatever. If, if that's the case, but yet I, I want to do that work. It might be helpful to get a trusted guide that maybe has been there. Like you talked about what you learned from your dad and learning how to die well and what you're even talking and coaching others through right now. Did you have trusted guides? Did you have people that, that you walked through this with? And if I'm listening and I'm like, Hey, I want to, I want to do the work, but I'd love a guide to help me. What recommendations would you give to people when they're thinking that way? Yeah. Well, I think in every season of your life, you should have a healthy counselor, especially if you are leading or, or pastoring or shepherding, you're up in front of people. Just, I, I need that. And even in the healthiest seasons, I, that I feel like my life has been on top of the world. Like I just had a counselor and oftentimes uh, just something my wife and I would do. I mean, I had my appointment right before this call, you know what I mean? And so that's what I do Monday mornings. Um, And then the second thing I would say is mentors. Yeah. Um, If you can have, uh, and I don't believe like one mentor, uh, I just almost more of the people have talked about the constellation of mentors, yeah. but just, Hey, this, this person to help you when it comes to either mothering or fathering, or this person that helps you in regards to business or finance or spiritual life, but just people who are helping you as uh, live it, with well-being, Um, yeah. And just, I think that's important. And then I think you can have a spiritual director. I think yeah. if you, if you have some, like those three in your life, I think it's going to be hard for you unless you're a sociopath to really derail because they should be asking you honest questions around identity or trauma or in your experiencing just development from people who are a little bit farther along than you. And yeah. so that that's just something I regularly budget money and time for yeah. counselors, di- spiritual directors, um, and then also just mentors. The last yeah. thing I'd say is um, I have a couple like, uh, and this, my wife and I, we budget for this and she has her own way. I have my own way, but just some of it's like an, an intensive, uh-huh. um, and just like, sometimes it's, it's better to, to, you know, have a few days where you can go pound some stuff out with, you know, like onsite, which is based out of mm-hmm. Nashville, which is amazing to, to kind of walk through grieving or trauma or to walk through with just a cohort of guys in some sense of adventure, but around a, a key mentor, a guide. I just think it's, it's essential because for yeah. many of us, we weren't handed a map. It was yes. just basically like, go figure it out. Yeah. And I need a guide. I need a map. I need help. And the sooner I'm able to admit that, I think the healthier I am as a human, a father, and a husband. Yeah. Well, friends, we're going to pause the conversation there for today. And I promise, I promise, next week, as we dive into part two of this conversation, Steve begins to unpack some of the content of his new book, The Thing Beneath the Thing. It's a fantastic read. But before we go, I want to just touch on something that Steve said at the end of the conversation there that maybe stood out to you like it did for me. Steve talked about the importance of having a helpful guide to journey with 
throughout life and leadership and how he has several that he's journeying with. And I know that's the same for me as well. In fact, this podcast, many of the guests on this podcast are people that have been helpful guides for me as I care for my soul. And so I want to invite you, if you're interested in discovering a helpful guide for you, I want to invite you to take a next step. The best next step would be to reach out to me. In fact, I've put together a form on my Instagram account. If you go to my Instagram account, it's Jason Perko Perkins. You can click on the link in my bio and there's a form there that you can fill out to say, hey, I'm interested in maybe different parts of soul care as I've been listening to the podcast. And I'd love to match you up with a helpful guide that can journey with you and walk alongside you in your life and leadership. Not as you focus on the external things of your leadership in your life, but really to help you focus on the internal things. And so I want to invite you to take that next step. If you've been prompted like, I should have a helpful guide in my life like I was several years ago, I want to invite you to take a next step. So go to my Instagram account, click on the link in the bio, fill out the form, let us know what you're interested in, and we'd love to help connect you to a helpful guide. Before I go, I want to make sure that people don't miss any episodes, any conversations like this one. They're so important. So if you haven't already done so, make sure you go to my website, jasonperkoperkins.com, and you can sign up for our email that goes out as the episodes are released and as we send out helpful information about soul care. I'd love to get that out to you. I promise you won't be inundated with emails every day. That's not our goal. It's to fill up your inbox. That's certainly not what we want to do. We just want to provide you with helpful information as you seek to reach your goals without losing your soul. As always, I'd love to hear from you if you're finding these conversations helpful in feeding your soul. So reach out to me. The best way to do that is via social media. I'm primarily on Instagram. Jason Perko Perkins is my handle on Instagram. You can send me a good old-fashioned email if you'd like to. Hello at jasonperkoperkins.com. Also, if you're finding these conversations in this podcast helpful, we'd love it if you would share it with others. And you can do that by just sharing it on whatever podcast platform you enjoy listening to the show on. Or you can leave us a rating and a review. And that is super helpful in getting the word out to as many people as possible. Our dream here at Perko's Podcast is super simple. We want to see an entire generation reach their goals and at the same time hear them say, it is well with my soul. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to part one of my conversation with Steve Carter today. Can't wait to share part two of this conversation with you next week. Until then, cheers. You've been listening to Perko's Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on strategy, leadership, and soul care to help you reach your personal, professional, and spiritual goals while at the same time not losing your soul. In the meantime, make sure to connect with us on social media. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.